Right, let's make a start. Do you know how long that was? 50 seconds. It's not, not that long, really, but I'm guessing it might have felt a little bit longer. It certainly felt a very long time for me. Um, because I think we probably live in a culture where 50 seconds is quite a long time. These days, you can, you can download a whole movie in HD in 50 seconds. You can be moved to, the, to tears by the plot of just a, a well-made advert in 50 seconds. We can cram a lot in to 50 seconds these days. So, so wasting a minute, nearly a minute, on doing just nothing can feel a little bit uncomfortable to us. We're all so busy, aren't we? And I think there's probably a part of that that, that that we quite like. You know, because to be busy implies that, you know, you're in demand, that you're not wasting your time. Maybe that you're doing something that's important or worthwhile with your life. Um, a little while ago, I went to the doctor's with a tummy problem. And uh, during the interview, the doctor asked me what I do for a living, and I said, oh, I work for a church. And he said, oh, so it won't be stress-related then, will it? And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> not stressful. Tell that to Nicola Bryce when it's a week five and half the team's not turned up. Or tell it to Susie Aldridge when she's planning a youth camp for 700 people. Tell it to Paul Lowe when he's opening his fifth complaint of the week about the new donut suppliers. <laughs> Not stressful. I was, I was quite affronted by this slur on my vocation until I checked myself and, and, and reminded myself that, that to be stressed is not actually a good thing. He was actually saying something positive. So how had I come to think that this idea of being busy to the point of stress was somehow something that made me more of a valid person in some way? And I don't know whether you sort of resonate with that reasoning. This notion that, that being stressed and busy is, is kind of like normal, it's just how life is. You know, like the, the self-employed tradesmen who, who work seven um, days a week, again and again, because they, you know, they just can't bring themselves to turn away work. Or the mum who practically wears herself to the bone, taking the kids to every playgroup going and checking Facebook and mum's forums to check that they're being the model parent. Or the office worker who checks their emails before they get out of bed, eats lunch at their desk most days, stays in the office late most days, and then still ends up checking their emails in the evenings. Is that just how it's supposed to be? Well, today I wanted to talk a little bit about, about the topic of rest. And because I believe that rest is one of those things that a lot of us would probably describe as very important. We know it's important in theory. But most of us, I think, feel that we, we probably don't do it enough. 
or perhaps that the rest we do get isn't the right kind of rest. And I know that's not the case for everybody. For some people, um, finding time to rest and do it well is not a problem for you. And if that's you, everything I'm going to say, you probably will know it already, so you could just have a rest this morning. Um, <laughs> but I'm guessing for a lot of us here at Trent, I'm guessing many of us would say, I, yeah, I probably should. I probably should get more rest. Because after all, this is a highly active church. We do a lot of stuff, don't we? And maybe the, the practical, active nature of this church, the active value that we have, is, is something that probably attracts people who like that kind of stuff, who like getting stuff done. Certainly, um, it was one of the things that won me over to this church. I remember when I, when I first went down the arches to visit um, and, and saw people not just talking about helping the poor, um, not just memorizing Bible verses about helping those in need, but actually doing compassion. And I loved it because I do like to keep busy. For me, my ideal day off would involve a to-do list, maybe some DIY, going for a jog, getting some stuff done. And, and of course, it is a good thing to be a productive person. But I've reached the conclusion that when it comes to spending our time, this constant state of busyness that our culture kind of has generated somehow, it's the enemy of, of spontaneity, Business is the enemy of, of flexibility and also generosity when it comes to our times. And so that's why I wanted to talk a little bit about rest. And I do feel as though God's kind of taken me on a little bit of a journey with it recently, um, where I feel like he's exposed me a little bit to the importance of rest, and he's kind of kept on prompting me about it over, over a few weeks now. It started a couple of months ago. I was reading um, Matthew's Gospel in my Bible, just sort of the whole way through, and... Um, in my Bible, you get to about chapter five, and suddenly all the, a lot of the text turns red because you enter a section where Jesus is teaching lots and lots and lots. Um, and um, there's a whole load of stuff in there, like Jesus says, oh, you need to be humble. He, he goes on and says, try and be salt and light. Extend your love to your enemies. Give to those in need. Pray fast. Do stuff that lays up treasure in heaven, but don't be anxious about stuff, though. Um, and I was just getting tired just taking all of this in. And then Jesus talks about the true cost of being a disciple. And it was just hitting me a bit like a wave. Wow, Jesus' teaching really, really demands so much of us. There is so much to do. Verses like um, Matthew 9, 37, Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Or verse, um, chapter 10, verse 38, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And so I was feeling a little bit like, oh man, I need to find you know, the, the, the blank space in my diary and do more God stuff because there's so much to be done. But then, strangely, things seem to get flipped just a few verses later when you get to Matthew 11, verse 28, when Jesus then said, come to me all who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. And I got to that point and I was confused because I was like, God, what are you what are you trying to say to me? Are you telling me that I should be doing more stuff or are you pointing me towards rest? You say that your burden is light, but looking at the last few chapters, your burden feels pretty intense, actually. And so for a few weeks, I kept on coming back to these few chapters over and over again, trying to work it out. And eventually, um, I, I, got, I got to a Sunday where I'd actually got a Sunday booked off work, um, off church, so I, I, I decided on my day off I was going to go and visit another church 
Um, I went across town to the Christian Centre, to Talbot Street, um, and on the way there, I was so excited because I never really get to go to other churches that much. So I was driving, and I was like, God, I hope it's going to be awesome. Lord, I pray that you would speak to me tonight. I know there's going to be a lot of people there, but if you could arrange for the sermon to be just for me, that would be great. And I get there, and it was just really cool. And um, there's a pastor called Lawrence, who, who I know I like him, and he was doing the sermon, so I was like, oh, great, it's Lawrence. And he stands up, and he introduces that he's going to be talking that night about rest. And um, a few minutes in, he, he opens up his Bible, and he reads that Bible verse, Matthew 11:28. all who are weary, come to me, and I will give you rest. And you can imagine, I was just smiling from ear to ear the whole way through it, because I feel, I felt as though God had spoken to me really clearly to tell me that he loves the stuff I do for him, but not as much as he loves me, and he longs for me to come and rest in him. And so I wanted to share a little bit of that journey and a few thoughts around this topic with you today. And um, I've done a bit of research to try and understand rest better. I found it a really fascinating topic. In fact, I wanted to understand rest as fully and as completely as possible. So uh, I did actually send a message to John Wright asking how the church would respond to my request for me to go to the Bahamas to really understand rest really well and got a, got a copy of the reply I got back. There you go. That is honestly what it was. Um, but I did manage to do some other research as well. And to make it easy for you today, I've summarised this talk in one sentence. I've summarised this talk actually in a tongue twister. It's a novel, two thing. No, yeah. So here it goes. This is what this talk's all about. You'd best rest because rest is God's best and he is the best rest. You'd best rest because rest is God's best and he is the best rest. I'm not going to make you all say it, but um, we're going to go through it piece by piece. First chunk, you best rest. What I mean by that is, is my impression from the Bible is that rest is not just something that God kind of like leaves for us as a, as a nice way of spending time if we fancy it. It's not just like a, a nice option if you get a bit tired. His advice about rest is do it. And it's possible, I think, that this generation needs to be told to slow down more than any other. And if you want a case in point um, reason why, here's an example, these things, smartphones. Um, now, I'm guessing most people in the room will have one of these, and, and, and do you remember when they first came out, um, how amazing they were, like an office in your pocket? Welcome to the era of limitless speed and efficiency. Do you remember how we looked at them? We were like, what are we going to do with all the spare time that we'll have now that we've got these things? Emails, phones, texts, apps, we'll be, we'll be doing three-hour days. We'll be spending the afternoon on the golf course, but... But of course, it didn't really work out that way, did it, with the smartphones? Somehow, they just filled up all the spare time. A recent survey um, of 150,000 people showed that the average smartphone user checks their phone 110 times a day. The average office employee, another survey showed, um, spends 13 hours a week just reading and replying to emails. And what a lot of research is showing is that all this data all this non-stop multitasking isn't actually speeding us up. 
For example, a study was recently completed where people were asked to do an IQ test, and some of them did it totally free from distraction, whilst others did it with a little reminder popping up on the screen that they got an email waiting for them. Those people, their IQ dropped by 10 points. Lots of science and research is, is kind of pointing to this groundbreaking conclusion that we perform better when we focus on a task at a time and we take a break in between. And if I was God, I'd, I'd, I'd hear that and say, be tempted to say, well, well done, humans, for figuring that out. But I did show you that on page two <laughs> of this book. Perhaps I should have put it on page one. Um, but if you remember, God created the heavens and the earth in six days, and then he modeled to us, take a rest. And God modeled this principle to us not just on the seventh day of the creation story, but also in the person and the ministry of Jesus. Now Jesus, when you think about it, he had a pretty busy schedule. Three years, his ministry lasted, three years to save humanity and to show us how to love and to live. But when you read the Gospels, the stories of his life, you see that time and time again, he prioritized and he found time for rest. Um, before he started his ministry, he spent 40 days in the desert in solitude. In times of stress or before big, big moments, he would take time out alone. After healing the leper or feeding the 5,000, he withdrew to a lonely place. And famously, he took a nap in the middle of a storm um, in a boat. And there are loads more examples. And so if Jesus, who, who accomplished more in his life than any of us ever will, if he thought it was best to rest, best to prioritize quiet time with his father, then I guess maybe we need to realize that we're not too busy to take a break either. And I know um, it can be really, really hard. I know you might be sitting there thinking, yeah, well, how, I hear what you're saying, but how can I take a rest when I've got all this on my plate? But I think that, that rest is, is, in essence, an expression of faith, an expression of trust in God, trust that he knows best, trust that you can be more effective in six days than working the seventh day, trust that it's the right thing to do to take a break, even if it does mean one of those spinning plates crashing to the floor. Trust that God is right when he says you best rest. And so the question that I've ended up asking myself, and perhaps a question I'd ask to you, is, is do you trust him? Do you trust him enough to rest? So that's the first point, you best rest. Secondly, because rest is God's best. One of the things that, that surfaced when I researched this a little bit, um, and I think this is probably true whether you're a person of faith or not, um, but this is the conclusion I've made, is that if you want to be a more likable, more attractive, um, cleverer, more effective version of yourself, then rest is one of the best things that you can do. And it's funny because although perhaps we've probably all heard that sort of thing before, sometimes I think about rest as one of those things that I know I'm supposed to do. Like, I kind of file it in the same place as flossing my teeth and eating vegetables. It's like, I probably should do that more. It makes me feel a little bit guilty. It's kind of like a chore. Um, and I miss out on what an amazing thing rest actually is. Take, take sleep, for example. Now, we all know that sleep is really good for for recharging your batteries. But, but as we learn more about the brain, 
we're seeing that sleep is, is incredible. Some amazing stuff happens when we sleep. For example, there's this particular part of our brain. I don't know why I'm doing that. It could be there. I don't know where it is. But it, it, it helps us um, understand who we are. It helps us understand others. And it's the place where our, sort of, a lot of our morality and our moral choices are formed. That part of our brain becomes active um, during our sleep cycle. And so those things, identity, relationships, morality, if those are important to you, which as a follower of Jesus, those things are very important to us, one of the best things we can do to invest in them is hit the duvet. How liberating is that? And it shows to me that God has, he's designed sleep for us. It's a gift to us. It's, it's his blessing. It's his best for us. Another example of how good rest is, is, is days off. Now, we all like days off, don't we? Um, and one of the concepts that we get from the Bible is this concept of a Sabbath, which is kind of a religious um, word, isn't it? But it's, you know, it just means a day a week where we rest. And it first appeared, or the concept of it first appeared in that, in that story that I mentioned in Genesis when, when God took a rest on the seventh day of creation. Um, one of the things that I loved about the talk that I heard when I went over the, over the other way to Talbot Street was one of the things Lawrence said was that when God rested on that seventh day, um, he didn't necessarily rest, well, he didn't rest because he was tired, because God is all-powerful, he doesn't get tired. He rested because rest is good. And so in resting, God was modeling something good to us. But I guess God knows um, humans pretty well, and he knew that just modeling something to us wasn't going to be enough to actually convince humanity to take a break. So this idea of a Sabbath, a day off a week, got firmed up a little bit later in the Bible in the Old Testament, where God told slash commanded uh, the Jewish people to do no work on the Sabbath, which um, for the Israelites was Saturday. You can read about it um, in Exodus chapter 20 where the Ten Commandments are. It's um, number four, but I think it's verse eight. Let's have a quick look. It says um, in verse eight, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And then a few verses on in verse 11. For in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that's in them and, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. And this um, verse, I think, illustrates for me why, why rest is, is so much more than just a nice thing to do if you can get time. This verse kind of illustrates the importance of rest. When you think about, in the Old Testament, there's um, this chunk about, about this much of the Old Testament, it's quite a big chunk, um, is all the laws that God gave his people to help them to live in a sort of a morally sound society. Um, so there's loads of stuff in there, but in the middle of that, the foundational bedrock of that law were these 10 commandments. We're talking about the fundamental, basic, moral obligations of a society. And in that 10, honoring the Sabbath is right in there as one of the big ones. That's how important it is. But even though God had designed this Sabbath to be a blessing to his people, a day when they would enjoy rest and recuperation, they ended up seeing it just simply as a rule, as a, as a chore to do properly. And they, they ended up getting all legalistic about it. They lost track of it. They lost the enjoyment of it. And it wasn't until Jesus came along that he, he had to explain to them, the Sabbath 
was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. That's Mark um, chapter 2. And I think this is something that maybe some of us need to be reminded of today, that God made rest for us. It's his best for us. It's his blessing. And so the second question that I've got for you today is, are you missing out on that blessing by not taking a day off, by not having a Sabbath? And just to be clear here, in case, um, in case we fall into the same pitfall that the, that the Israelites um, fell into, this is this concept of Sabbath that we can take from the, from the whole Bible, including um, the New Testament, is that the Sabbath is not about legalistically or um, as a ritual um, doing like rule keeping. It's not, um, it's not about a particular day of the week. The New Testament tells us that as followers of Jesus, we don't live under that Old Testament law that the Israelites lived under, but under a new covenant of grace that was made by Jesus through the cross. So that's why it's not necessarily a particular holy day, but the principle that was there from the very, very beginning is still there. That does remain the same, that, that taking a day out about once a week, that's God's best for us. It's wise. Um, it's beneficial. And in practice, there may be days where it's, not, where it's just simply not possible, and that's just how it is. But, but I suppose the way we might look at it today is to say, well, looking at your diary, though, in the kind of medium to long term, is time off a foundational priority around which the rest of your diary is built? Or is time off just one of those things that you've crammed in when you've planned everything else in? Because the principle that, that seems to emerge from the Bible, and I think a principle that we know from real life, is that if we choose to reject this blessing of a day off every now and again, every week or so, there will eventually be consequences down the line. Most of us have had that experience, haven't you? Have you ever done that thing where you just work for too long, you don't have a day off, and you end up getting ill, don't you? It's horrible. It's not the rest that we actually want. So rest is, is also a bit of an issue of wisdom. Um, there's this guy um, in, who's part of this church who, who really lives this to, out to me. Um, he's on the Connect team. He's the most super friendly, welcoming guy. Um, he's on team, he's what I'd call a philo member of the team, first in, last out. Um, he's always just constantly looking for people who, are, who, who look like they might be new and he wants to say hi to them. Um, but one thing about him is that he's got a long-term health condition that means that serving on that team tires him out big time. And I remember chatting to him last year before the Christmas carol services um, and he explained that he was gonna come to two of the services, one on Saturday, um, I think with a mate, and then the next day on the team, or the other way around. And he explained to me that on that day in between, he would need to find a couple of hours to lie down and take a rest. And um, so I asked him about that. I said, oh, is that sort of how it works out for you? And he said, yeah, if, if, if my diary is busy, um, if I've got like a couple of social events in a row, small group, and then something else, or something like that, I know that on that day between, or on the day before, I need to find a few hours to go away, to lie down, and have a rest, so that I can be at my best for the things that are important to me. And it really struck me, I thought, that's wisdom. Maybe that's something that I need to think about. Certainly, I do, did come away thinking, I need to put rest in my diary. Um, and where we do get space to rest, we need to fight to defend it, don't we? Because we live in a, in a culture where there is so much noise that tries to creep into rest, isn't there? You know, when you get five minutes to spare, our screens and our devices and our TVs say, oh, you've got five minutes to spare, let me fill this with something productive, like WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, email, Pinterest, Instagram, all the rest of it. 
And if, like me, your, your brain has got into this habit of, of reaching for your phone when you get a 50-second break, then maybe, like me, you need to start rewiring it to take some of those little pauses that we get in the day as a gift from God and to embrace God's best, to rest. So you best rest because rest is God's best. And finally, he is the best rest. Now there's loads of different ways that different people like to rest, isn't there? Different hobbies, different passions, different pursuits. Um, my job involves lots of like meetings and talking and lots of writing stuff down, lots of um, the odd latte here and there, I'll have to admit. Um, but for me, because my job involves lots of that sort of stuff, um, rest, something that's really restful to me, is doing something physical like DIY or going for a jog. And that's why those kind of things would, would be on my perfect day off. But for different people, it will be different things, won't it? Perhaps if you've got a really manual job, then I suppose on your days off, you, you might prefer to do something physically relaxing. Or if your job is um, very repetitive, you might want to do something creative. If you have to do creative things for a living, you might want to do something repetitive on your day off. We like, that's why we like um, different holidays as well, isn't it? Some people want to sit on a beach and just chill out. Some people want to climb up a mountain. Some people want to soak up a culture. Different types of rest for different types of situations. But, but one thing that I think we probably all agree on, whether you call yourself a believer or not, is that, is that none of those ways of resting, not one of them gives us a complete and a permanent rest, do they? Like as soon as, you know, even the most luxurious holiday or the most restful night off, um, as soon as it's over, you're counting down the time to your next rest, aren't you? Our soul, I think, yearns for a, for a, for a rest that's deeper. And I think that yearning ultimately points to the person of Jesus. Jesus who meets all of our needs in a way that is complete and emphatic and, and universal and wonderful. And that's why I think he can give us access to a type of rest that's kind of like in its own category. It's in its own separate category. And to, to illustrate this, I don't know if this is going to work, but I've tried to break rest into three different categories. This is how I think it pans out. I reckon you've got, you've got luxury rest. There you go, like holidays, days at the spa. Um, you've got your day-to-day -day rest, like your sleep each night and your, and your Sabbath. And then what I've, you've got what I would call ultimate rest in the person of Jesus. Now, which one did Jesus encourage us to seek? Did he say, all who are weary, get yourself down Thomas Cook and Balkan all-inclusive? No, he didn't, did he? Did he say... All who are weary, take a day off. Have a night's sleep. No. He said, all who are weary, come to me. And I think um, there's potentially, with these three categories, there's, there's parallels with, with some of the other things that we need to sustain us in life. So say, for example, food. Um, you've got your luxury food, haven't you? Like, um, like caviar and the Tesco's finest range. You've got your day-to-day -day food, like just bread and butter or whatever. But then Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. John chapter 6, 35. Same with drink. You've got luxury drinks like champagne and the full sugar Ribena that we only buy when it's at half price. <laughs> then you've got the day-to-day -day drink like water. We need that every day. But then Jesus, in the same way, said, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. That's John 7, 37. And the reason that I've kind of separated those things out into those categories in that way is because my observation is that sometimes 
when we hit rock bottom, we reach for the luxuries. We say, oh man, I am shattered, I need a holiday. Oh man, I am just, I just need a bar of chocolate. Man, it's Friday, I've got to the end of the week, I need a glass of wine. But the truth is, by definition, we don't need luxuries. They're brilliant, they're great, I love them, but they are a privilege, aren't they? Even that, and even that next category, the day-to-day one in the middle, we do need bread and butter and water, the basics and a night's sleep and a day off each week to sustain us. We can go without those things for a while, um, but eventually we'll break down without them. But even those things, they can't sustain us forever. Our bodies one day will pack in. And that's why that third category of provision and nourishment and rest is in an altogether different category because Jesus is the one source who can sustain us and promises to sustain us forever. And that's why when it came to rest, he said, if you want to rest, come to me. Now you might be asking, so what does it actually mean to rest in Jesus? What does that mean? Well, in one sense, I think it's pointing, Jesus was pointing towards the promise of heaven. He was pointing towards a rest that as followers of him, we are moving towards where we'll one day enter, this, enter into this permanent home, the kingdom of heaven, Jesus' kingdom, where all the striving and the anxiety that's infected the human race ever since the fall and we got kicked out of it, the Garden of Eden, that will all be gone once and for all and we'll find an ultimate and permanent place of rest. So in one sense, he's pointing to that and, he said, and the Bible says that the only way to get to that is through him, so that's why you've got to go to him. But I think in another sense, he's also calling us to a rest that is available even right now to us dose by dose. Every time that we pause and open our heart to pray with him. And that's a rest that goes to the very deep of our bones. And so my final question for you is, are you finding time to rest in Jesus? When you're at your lowest ebb, are you reaching for the luxuries or are you reaching for your saviour? Because I believe the best rest lies not on a beach or wrapped up in a duvet. The best rest is in a quiet place, saying hello to Jesus and asking him to unburden our soul and um, asking him to remind us that, that our worth lies not in all the stuff that we can do for him, but in what he's done for us. And so that's the journey I've been on and those are some of the things that I've learned. I've learned that it's in his presence that that's where the the cravings of my soul are really nourished. And I'm beginning to understand that that's the only kind of rest that will sustain me in the busyness of life and the, and the challenge of family and, and, and the burden of the call that he's placed on my life. And the amazing thing is that that rest is available to each of us on tap. But we do have to choose it. We have to decide that rest is best and that he's the best rest. Now, as you can tell, um, I've still very much got my learner plates on when it comes to this whole resting thing and prioritise it, but I am beginning to try. Um, I'm consciously not taking my phone places. That's a good tip. Um, I've begun to, use, uh, begun to use my diary to protect a day off each week. Um, Abby and I have banned social media in bed. Um, and also, I'm just looking at those 50-second um, those breaks that you get um, where you're tempted to just fill them with something um, I'm, I'm beginning to see them as an opportunity to embrace 50 seconds of him. Um, and it's really, really helping me. And in fact, we're going to do that right now. 
So Helen's going to um, join me. And I'll just leave you with these words of St. Augustine, who said, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. Yes, I want us to do something a bit different this morning and put into practice some of what John's been talking about. So I want us just to have some time of quiet and some individual time, if that is possible, in such a huge crowd. And I've just got four questions I want to ask us. And I want you just to take the time just to think about those things in your own life. It's an opportunity to take stock. And, and after each question, I'll just leave a few moments of silence and encourage you to rest in that silence and not to be fearful um, in that because it does feel a bit uncomfortable. And then hopefully that will just lead us into a real natural way to go into ministry after that. So as you are now, just relax, maybe close your eyes. You may wanna just kind of put your hands out and just kind of sink yourself into your seat. And the first thing I want to ask is where have your thoughts been? What's on your mind at the moment? What's maybe going round and round? And particularly in the last couple of weeks. Secondly, how are you feeling? And again, particularly over the last couple of weeks, what emotions are you processing? Maybe happy, sad, fearful, troubled, hopeful, whatever it might be. And thirdly, how are you physically? Are you feeling well? Are you conscious or aware of any aches or pains? How are you sleeping? How are you physically?
And the final question is, what's the longing of your heart? When you have those moments to yourself, what are you longing for? What is it that you'd want to ask God for? That you'd want to present to Jesus today as the longing of your heart? So as we just draw kind of those questions um, to a close, I, I sense for many people here that will have maybe just triggered things that maybe you hadn't, weren't even conscious of. And certainly as you're presenting your longings to God, it's a great opportunity now as we have an opportunity to respond to God and have someone stand with you and pray for you to do that. So why don't we all stand and I'll just pray and then um, we can go into that. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are here amongst us now. And we are so grateful that you know our innermost thoughts. You know everything about us, our past, our present, and our future. And you are intimately concerned with every single detail. And Lord, I thank you that you know the longings of each of our hearts. And Lord, I thank you that you long to draw close to us, to restore us, to heal us, to set us free, to comfort us, and to be life-giving to us. And Lord, we just ask for an increase of your presence now in each one of us.